Uh, this morning we, we are thinking uh, in our series about prayer. Uh, and uh, last Sunday we were looking at some passages from, from Hebrews and thinking about how we can approach God in prayer. We were thinking about four ways not to pray. Uh, in small groups as well, if you're, if you're part of one of those, and it's a really great way to d- engage deeper with the themes on a Sunday, but also to get to know people in the church, to share scripture together and share support and, and prayer together. Uh, they too have been thinking about prayer and specifically about the laying on of hands. So we're going to look at that this morning. So you might want to turn with me. There's a few scriptures we're going to dive into. And then as promised, I don't want to speak for too long this morning. Don't cheer. Uh, we're going to make space for this today to pray together uh, and to pray for each other. So Hebrews chapter 6, therefore let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instructions about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. It's incredible, isn't it, that in this list, this short list of elementary teachings uh, about Jesus, that this phrase, the laying on of hands, appears. If we were to give you on the way in this morning a little piece of paper and said, right, you've got six things that you can list as the elementary, the basic foundational things about Jesus, uh, how many of us would have put the laying on of hands uh, on there? But probably not many of us. Now, there's a, a number of reasons for that. Uh, I was reading a while ago a, um, a newspaper article that was written about how difficult it is to learn English. And it's not just because it's a bizarre language that makes all these rules and then breaks them all, uh, or borrows words from other languages and then doesn't bother to try and spell them our way, but because of these things called idioms, these phrases that we use that make very little sense. We don't even know what these phrases mean. We talk about being happy as, who's Larry? Anybody know who Larry is? We talk about Bob's your uncle. I, have, I haven't got an uncle. Called, and and why, would, why would that mean that the job is done and ticked off and, and satisfied? So there's a whole list of things that he said it took him ages and ages to get his head around. Getting up the wrong side of the bed. How, how, how do you do that? Being under the weather. He said people spoke about that for years and he thought, well, when am I over the weather? Yeah, someone got there before me. Very good. Uh, Talking about being wet behind the ears. Uh, I've got a bone to pick with them. They've got two left teeth. They're armed to the teeth, or the skin of your teeth. Makes no sense at all. Two left feet. What did I say? Did I say two left teeth? (laughs) That is the most bizarre idiom you're ever going to hear, actually, isn't it? (laughs) This is why I'm not speaking very long this morning. Um... Being blue in the face, having your head in the clouds, it's gone belly up. What's that about? Uh, I love these ones. Uh, There can sometimes be a fat chance of something happening or a slim chance of something happening. And it just means the same thing. Uh, Some of these get a little bit worse. Dropping the ball, wiping the floor with somebody. It's just bizarre, isn't it? Kick the bucket, bite the dust, push up daisies or be dead as a doornail. It's just... And then he said, it's even worse when people use a few of these idioms in the same sentence. These are great. We were sat there, chewing the fat. I thought it was going to be a piece of cake, but it turned out to be a hot potato, so I went cold turkey. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I tell you what I love, it's not, not on the list, but um, I wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. <laughs> what would you touch with a barge pole? We're not a nation of barge drivers, are we? It's bizarre. Uh, you need to get your ducks in order, not go running around like a headless chicken on a wild goose chase. Hold your horses before you get someone's goat. <laughs> it's just, just bizarre. <laughs> And we have these, these phrases, don't we? And we kind of know what they mean. If you really pushed somebody on it, usually people that appear on Dictionary Corner on Countdown, somebody might know where they came from, but they just come to represent something. Uh, in the early church, this phrase, the laying on of hands, was a way in which they spoke about prayer because it was so common to, for them uh, to do that. Uh, we read in, in Luke chapter 4, I, I love this passage, the, the first day of the kingdom coming. Uh, Jesus has been baptized, he's gone into the wilderness to be tested, and then uh, he arrives in the synagogue, uh, and he starts to read these words uh, from the, the, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Did the people there know what a moment this was? It all starts here. And then we read that after that, he leaves uh, Capernaum, a town in Galilee. He drives out an evil spirit, and because of that, a crowd forms around him. And so he bases himself for a while at Simon Peter's house. He ends up healing Simon Peter's mother-in-law. Uh, if you ever doubt that God is a God of grace, even mother-in-laws can be healed. Uh, but sorry, sorry, I do apologize. Uh, and then we get this phrase, verse 40. This is the end of day one. When the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus uh, all who had various kinds of sickness. And laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Now, why does Luke record that for us? Well, the laying on of hands for uh, Jewish people was not a, a, an unusual thing, but it was usually reserved for special people and for special things. Uh, so in the Old Testament, we read of, of blessing being done with the laying on of hands. It started with Isaac. You might know that story of him blessing uh, his sons. And the thought there is that the father has something to give to his children. He has a blessing to bestow. Uh, and that he does that through the, the laying on of his hands. Uh, in fact, in, in that story, when the blessing is taken, it cannot be re-given. Something has been transferred. It's, it, it's a way of blessing. Uh, but then throughout most of the Old Testament, once there is a priesthood, it's only the priests then uh, who lay their hands on things. Again, it, it's often with the notion of, of transferring. So one way in which this happened was on the Day of Atonement, when the people gathered and brought sacrifices, uh, a goat would be brought to the front. And the high priest would place both his hands on the head of the goat and speak over the goat the sins of the people. And then the goat would be led to the Kidron Valley, where it would just wander off to die on its own in the wilderness. And of course, it was a picture, wasn't it? A shadow of what's to come, an innocent person taking on uh, people's sin and forgiveness being available. But the idea was that that was transferred through the laying on of hands. It's also a, a form of, of blessing. Priests would, would bless people through the laying on of hands. 
in the life of Aaron, the first high priest. Moses commissions him by laying on hands on him. There's an understanding that authority has been transferred in that way. So it wasn't unusual, but it was very unusual to see it happening outside of a temple in Jesus' day for anyone other than a priest or a high priest to be doing it. So the thought that Jesus was there laying hands on people immediately caused a stir, and people came to see what was happening. In my own experience, uh, what's interesting for me is I I think I've experienced both this positively uh, and negatively, and maybe some of you have experienced it negatively as well. Uh, There was uh, one season we were in, uh, in in one church, and we used to describe people as, as Humpty Dumpty prayers. You know, did they fall or were they pushed? And people who, who wanted a reaction when they prayed for you and would, would put pressure on you, the person who was being prayed for, to kind of produce a sort of reaction. What's interesting is as I read the way that Jesus went about laying hands on people, that it was nothing to do with being powerful, but actually to do with being personal. It was a way of drawing near to somebody. It was a very individual moment. You know, if anyone here is a fan of, of Star Wars or watching the Obi-Wan Kenobi series on, uh, on the Disney Plus at the moment, it, it's nothing to do with that sort of Jedi power moment. It's, it's nothing to do with that at all. It's a, it's a simple, symbolic action. Lord, as I touch this person, as I lay my hand here, would you lay your hand on this person? It's a way of focusing our thoughts, isn't it? Focusing our prayers and asking God to be present in that specific way, in that specific moment. You know, the older I get, I'm only 41, but the older I get, the more I kind of hate hype. You know, when things just seem to be hyped up and stirred up and people try and produce a sort of emotional reaction. And maybe you've experienced it negatively in that way. But I want to say that I don't think that's the way that that Jesus laid hands on people. I think it was a way of drawing near to touch, to bless, to heal, to give something to that person that was a, a personal moment. One of the lovely things that we see in Jesus as he prays for people is just the individual care that he offers. I'm often amazed by the questions that, that Jesus asks Remember the man that was sat at the pool of Siloam with the water that was being stirred? He'd been there for 38 years, just sat there, never once getting to the front of the queue, never once getting into the water. And Jesus asks him a question. Anybody know what it is? Yeah. Do you want to be healed? Jesus doesn't presume to go and power moment. It, it's a personal moment. It's a deeply personal question. Do you, do you want to be healed? And Jesus asks that of us, doesn't he, as we come to him. Each of us today will, will carry something that we deeply long that the Lord would touch. That might be a physical thing. It might be an emotional thing. It might be a spiritual thing. But each of us have, have an area of need in our lives today. And, and that question comes to each one of us. He will not force it. He will not push it, but he will ask, do you you want to be made whole? Do you want to be well? Because change is always scary. Sometimes it's far more comfortable to be where we are than even to contemplate 
a new reality, a new normal. There's another lovely moment where Jesus prays for a man, lays hands on a man who, who's, who's blind. And after he's prayed, he says to him, what do you see? Do you remember that story? Great story. And the man says, oh, I can see things like trees walking. And so Jesus prays for him a second time. I think one of the myths around prayer and specifically about the laying on of hands is that if something doesn't happen instantly, it's not going to happen at all. But Jesus prayed for someone twice. That's amazing, isn't it? I think so anyway. It's massively comforting to me that he prays again. I wish it was only twice that I prayed for people uh, before we saw something happen. But sometimes there needs to be that sense of, of waiting on God of experiencing something of the healing of God and, and not imagining that we've had our sort of quota, you know, we've had our miracle, but seeing what, what God wants to do in a given situation. And then the last thing I'd say before we have time to, to, to pray together uh, is that there are times uh, in the New Testament where there's certain experiences that are associated with the laying on of hands. Um, sometimes that can be a, a, a physical feeling, sometimes it can be a spiritual thing, uh, but sometimes we, we place a lot of stock on feelings. You know, as, as parents here will identify this, you get to the end of the year, December, and you deck the halls, you, know, you, know, you put all the decorations up, you get the tree, you wrap the presents, you're getting ready, buy all the food, and then somebody will utter those horrible words, I just don't feel Christmassy. And you just think, well, what do you want? <laughs> but it is Christmas, whether you feel it or not. And sometimes, as we pray, uh, and as we lay hands on each other, sometimes you'll feel something. Sometimes you'll experience something. And some of us here may have, may have experienced that. But the feeling alone is not what we're asking for. You know, we're not seeking the gift, we're seeking the giver. And that's so important. Sometimes when we lay hands on people, they can experience a, a warmth. Other times it can be a tingling feeling. Other times there can be a sense of, of uh, supernatural peace over a situation, a silence, a, a heaviness in the atmosphere that comes. Other times people experience nothing at all. And in my experience, what the answer to prayer is has nothing to do with the feeling. Sometimes we, you know, we thank God for our feelings. He's made us as people with feelings and emotions, but we don't depend on them. We seek Him, and we seek, we seek Him first. So what I'd love us just to take some time to do today, I did warn you it was going to be a practical session today, uh, is to share together just, just where we are. Now for some of us, um, for all kinds of reasons, sometimes it's personality, sometimes experience, uh, we're not tactile people. We don't like the thought of being touched, and certainly perhaps not by people that we know very well. And so I want to say that there's no pressure on anybody to have to ask for somebody to lay hands on them today. Uh, it, it's true in the New Testament that it becomes a normative way of praying for people, but it is not the only way of praying for people. There's a time, isn't there, when someone comes to Jesus to ask him to pray for their son, and he's, no, his servant, sorry, and he says, no, don't come to my house. And so Jesus didn't even physically go there and was able to speak healing. And so it's not a prescriptive thing. It's not a magic thing. It's not like it'll happen if you lay hands on it or not. But it is a way of focusing our prayer. It's a way that the, the New Testament church offered that simple personal ministry of praying with each other.
So either with the person next to you or the people around you, or you may want to get up and, uh, and move around. And there's space upstairs, there's space at the front if you need a little bit more room. Uh, I want to encourage us to be really brave today and to share something. Now that's the first brave step, isn't it? I've got a need. I've got a struggle. I've got a pain. And I know as Christians, we're not meant to have those things. I know that the nice Christian answer to give when you walk into church and someone asks you how you are is fine. Who's fine? What's fine? Just to share something. Maybe something that you haven't shared with someone before. I'm struggling with this. Would, would you pray? And then just to take a few moments just to simply Lay your hand on someone's shoulder and ask God to touch them today. If you do experience anything, it's always worth praying again, just as, as Jesus prayed for that person twice. Uh, and we'll just allow space for God to move and to minister today. Please don't feel under any pressure. You know, I often um, feel like, you know, sometimes it's not about making ourselves feel something. It's not about manufacturing something. I, can't stand hype, but as those things start to happen, it makes no sense to me to fight it either. So let's just be open to what the Holy Spirit has to do and, uh, and to say among us. So we're going to take a few moments to do this. Uh, just where we are, unless you need more space and you want to move around. I, I know as a lot of people are talking, sometimes it can be hard to hear, and so if you need to move to another space, please do. Can we all try and keep an eye out as well so that nobody who wants to be prayed for is, is left out today? But let me pray, and then I'm going to give some space for us to... Lay hands on each other, those who want to, uh, and to be prayed for today. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the great healer. And I thank you that the Spirit of the living God was on you, had anointed you to proclaim the good news of the kingdom in all its fullness. I thank you, Lord, that as you went around blessing and touching and healing, it was not to make a point. It was not propaganda. It was just passion. It was just love. It was just concern. Lord, we thank you for your promise as you send us into the world that as we go, you go with us. And so we invite you, the Holy Spirit, to come into this moment now. And we simply pray, Lord, as we pray for each other, that you'd help us to extend our faith over each other. Not so often when we've prayed for something individually for a long time, uh, it, can, it can knock our faith, it can taint it, it can dent it. And we thank you for the gift of standing together, drawing strength from another's faith, another's prayer. And Lord, I pray that that will happen today. Help us to be brave, Lord, in, in sharing. It'd be so easy to be the kind of church where we come, spectate, and then leave. But, Lord, we hunger for a deeper sense of fellowship because we know that you delight in that, that the blessing of God rests on the unity of his people. To help us, Lord, to know that safe place today that strength and support that you can give us through each other.
and through your family. So Lord, we just pause to acknowledge your your presence among us. We pause because praying for each other is, is a holy thing. It's a special moment. And we simply pray, Lord, that you, in this moment, would meet with us in all kinds of ways, that you would touch us. And that we would know that gift, that promise, that power of your Holy Spirit moving among us today. Pray that, Lord, together in Jesus' name. Amen. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus says, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these will be the signs that will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accomplished it, accompanied.